Welcome to the Authentic Wife Show. I'm Beth Rolls, a conscious marriage coach and author of The Authentic Wife, Uncaging Yourself Through Marriage. I help driven moms who love their kids more than they hate their marriage use the conflict in their relationship to become their most authentic selves so they can create a relationship and life they don't want to escape from. Stop waiting for your husband to evolve and start making every day feel like a vacation. You can find my book, tons of free resources, and Happily Ever After, the only marriage-saving coaching program on my website, theauthenticwifeandmom.com. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome back. I'm happy to be with you today. Thanks for making me a part of your day or evening, wherever we are. Today, I want to talk about five barriers to empathy. And you might be wondering, well, why is empathy important? Or what is empathy? So let's just define it really quickly. Empathy is giving somebody the space to process their emotions and feel understood in that process. That's what it really is. We also use that term for other things where we are actually sensing what other people are experiencing, and then we're adapting our behavior because of fear of what they're going through. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the actual act of reflecting and helping somebody know that their experience is understood. And through the act of reflecting that experience back to them, helping them process the emotion, like meaning move it through their body, feel the emotion, and then process what they're experiencing, what it means for them, what that emotion means for them, what the experience might mean for them, helping them to arrive at clarity through your reflection. Okay. So that's what empathy is. And why is it important? Why would we even care about barriers to it? It's important because it is a basic human skill. When we talk about relating to other people and relationships and any having a career, sales, working with other people, being a parent, being a wife, being a husband, anything you do in relation to another person requires empathy to be that medium. That is the mode of communication. You know, my career background is in communication and in connection, doing it over the cell phone, having a good connection to have a call with somebody and making that connection work in the wireless path. And in real life, the mode of connection, the wireless path is empathy. And a lot of our conversations day to day are in problem solving and just a back and forth and really simple. Empathy is a little bit different because that is the actual human skill that pops up when you have somebody who's in some kind of emotion or they need help. In sales, you have to be fantastic at empathy. Lawyers are great at empathy. Doctors should be good at empathy, but it's something that their profession has steered them away from for unknown reasons. You typically think of psychologists, counselors, coaches, therapists, these people being the ones who are empathetic, but that should not be reserved for those people. In by nature of relationship, we should be in the habit of helping other people figure out their stuff. And through that, helping them figure it out, 
they heal, they grow, they transform. Empathy is the expression of love. It's the way we say, I understand you. I see who you are. And by the way, I also accept you. What you're going on, what's going on for you is acceptable. Whatever you're feeling is acceptable. It is a human thing that you are feeling right now. It has a message for you, but of course it's acceptable. That's what love is. Love is an energetic state of being where we have unconditional positive regard for the other person, no matter what they are going through. So barriers to empathy are important to know because you will not have the relationships or the life you want until you are good at this basic human skill. And the number one, we'll just dive in. The number one barrier to empathy is that we don't know how to do it because it was not modeled for us. We don't have the framework already in our brains. I think I've shared before that my daughter is naturally now, it seems natural. She's empathetic with other people. She does the things that I had to learn how to do naturally because I have done them with her. So the more you do this now, the way when you learn it now, and it seems hard for you, know that you are now imparting it to the next generation. Your kids will see and know and live empathy. And because they will, they will have better relationships. They will live in nonviolent societies. They will know how to resolve conflict all because you removed these five barriers, sympathy, and began to model it for your children. So we don't know how it wasn't demonstrated for us. We are uncomfortable with any kind of emotion. So we go right to trying to fix it often, fixing the problem, some kind of logic. Oh, you have a problem. Let me fix it for you. Let me just give you the answer. We try to bypass their own emotion, which is giving them the answer they need and try to give them our own, take them right to the logic piece and fix it for them. Oh, you're low on money. Here's a job opportunity. Oh, you don't have enough time to get this done. Let me help you with that. Or, oh, why don't you get up earlier and then you have enough time. And I fall into this still all the time too. It's so easy to go let me just fix it. Oh, it's not working because you just need to do X, Y, Z. It is. I'm sure that my clients would say that in calls with them, I have jumped past where I should have just been empathetic and helped them process a little bit more to, well, you just need to do this because it's so easy to do, but you have to remember that if you find yourself suddenly in conversation, trying to fix there's a very good chance they don't need that from you yet. There's also a time and place for it, a time and place when it can be helpful because you might have solutions and other ideas that they may have, that they may not have thought of yet. But if they're still deep in an emotion and have not moved that feeling through their body, then they're not ready to go into the fixing. The other thing that we end up doing when we don't know how to give empathy is we try to relate So that means that we share our own story, something similar that happened. We had a similar experience. We, oh, you know, well, your husband isn't listening to you. Well, my husband did this. Again, there's a time and place for relating. Sometimes you sharing a story gives somebody the time to kind of feel more vulnerable to share more with you, which allows you to be even more empathetic with them, or it gives them just a little bit of time to gather their thoughts and think about what they do need to share. 
but actually relating with somebody is usually not how you would be empathetic. My, the guy I talk about all the time, Chris Voss, who wrote Never Split the Difference was a hostage negotiator. And if he had that hostage taker on the phone and that guy just lost his job or something, if he had gone into a story about, oh, you know, I lost my job too. And it was so hard. And Mary didn't have any money for lunch and da, da, da. like if he went into that, he would have lost the hostage, the hostage taker. It would have ruined their rapport building because now it, we turn the spotlight on ourselves and we make it about ourselves. And so then that other person doesn't feel seen and understood. And if they already feel this way because they're not feeling seen and understood in general, which is what most complaints are about in marriage. Then they feel even more like, I'm still not going to be seen. I'm still not going to be understood. Look at him or her. They have no space for me. They don't ever hold emotional space for me. They never meet me where I'm at. I just want them to hold me. I hear that complaint from a lot of wives. Like, I just want my husband to listen and not try to fix and just hold space for me and help me to process and da, 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 da. And we're not doing it ourselves for them either. You know, when they start to complain, then we have these other barriers to empathy. So we either try to fix, we try to relate, we try to leave, and you don't need to do any of that. Empathy is actually really, really simple. There are parts of it that can be more challenging, but if you can't do those parts yet, then you can do this most basic part, which is just to get them to tell you the story of their experience. And then repeat back for them the key pieces of that story in their words, not in your words. Getting somebody to tell you a story and then reflecting that story back for them is a beautiful experience because they really feel seen and heard and understood. And you have to be comfortable also waiting for them to tell you more. So I just had to pause my recording and because the puppy was crying at the door and I had to go take her outside and then she just laid there. She clearly wants to play or do something else right now, but don't get a puppy. Okay. So that's something that I might say to you if we were on the phone and then you don't have to repeat that whole story, but you might say, don't get a puppy. And then I would go, yeah, it's just so much work. We just haven't really slept real well lately. And then I just forgot how, how much, how it affects your schedule, you know, to have to take them out all this, all the time. At this point, you'd say, it sounds like you're feeling kind of tired or you're feeling tired or you feel like she's in control of your time. This is the part where it gets harder. This is that harder part of empathy because you have to sense what I'm feeling or identify what is really happening, kind of sum it up or identify the feelings or needs underneath it. And you can hear that go, oh, they got a new puppy that needs to go out all the time. So they're, you know, taking up their time so they could be kind of upset about their time or the puppy could be up a lot or hard to get to sleep. They could be tired or they have to go interrupt their work all the time. That could be frustrating. They could be frustrated. When you're in person with somebody or when you're on the phone with them, 
you can use your intuition to sense what they're feeling. If you're really truly listening, they call it active listening. It's easier to sense what is going on for them. So when I'm talking about empathy, that's what I'm talking about. We are getting somebody to tell us a story, and then we are basically repeating that story to them and highlighting other things that we are hearing and sensing through that story. So that's what what reflection is, what empathy is. And notice that we're not absorbing any of it. We're not relating to it. You know, I could tell you about the time that I had a new puppy and how hard that was. And maybe you'd feel not so alone, but you kind of judge in that moment. Does this person really need to be seen right now? Or do they really want to hear about the time I had a new puppy? Is it going to be helpful for them? Like, might you be saying that because you could say, you know, we ended up getting a dog door and that really helped because, you know, then they could just go out when they needed. You might have something to offer. And so that might be the way that you present it. But most of the time, people just want to have the space to be seen and understood. Okay. So the first barrier to empathy was that we don't know how, and I've just given you the how (laughs) you've got everything you need now um, to do it. The second barrier is that we judge their experience. So if like using that example, if you felt like, geez, Beth just can't get it together, or she's such a complainer, or she's so lazy or something. Let's say that you judge me as being lazy because I'm tired of, you know, letting the dog out all the time. When we judge their experience, it means that we do that in ourselves, whatever we are judging them for, we are also that. So if you were to judge me as lazy, that means there's also part of you that is lazy and one of two things could happen and maybe more things, but, but at least one of two things could happen. You could have been late, quote unquote, lazy as a child, and that would have been so unacceptable that you would have rejected that in yourself. So you'd have this whole belief system about not being lazy and how being lazy is bad and, and yada, 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 or, and sometimes you can have both of these at once, you could also still be lazy now, but be in denial that you are also lazy now. So if you listen to somebody and you're judging their experience, you're feeling no love for them. In fact, you might even be angry or upset or just really looking down on them or just feel kind of disgusted or something. It means that you are not accepting of a way that you are or have been or can be as well, because we are human. We are the full rainbow. We are the light and the dark, the good and the bad. We are all things. We get to choose which of those colors to express. We are constantly in choice of whether we want to show, want to, I don't even say show. In the beginning, we think about what we're showing other people, but eventually we get to a point where we're choosing which we want to live. Do we want to live in the light? Or do we want to live in the dark? Do we want to live in the kind, compassionate? Or do we want to live in the judgmental and condescending? We are all things. You cannot look at somebody and judge them and not realize that whatever you're judging in them is also in you. So number two, 
Another barrier to empathy is judging their experience because we reject it in ourselves. So another example is I might with my husband judge him as not being able to figure it out, like having a problem and he can't figure it out. So when I was a kid, it was totally unacceptable to not be able to figure out a problem. You had to be smart and figure things out. And especially, I think it was exacerbated because my mom was our teacher. We were homeschooled and, you know, we had to prove ourselves to her. She was a nurse. So there was no room for mistakes in her job in the ER. And she had no tolerance for not being able to figure it out. And I now know where that came from for her. But so I also got the conditioning, the message, I was not okay to not be able to figure it out. And so I judge him as not being able to figure it out. Meanwhile, (laughs) I also have times where I'm not able to figure it out. There are plenty of times where I do. But like just recently, I'm kind of stuck in a position where I'm not totally sure what to do with this problem that I have. And so I'm going to get some help with that, but that doesn't make me a bad person. That just means I need some help with it. So when my husband comes to me and needs some help figuring something out, that's a good thing. He sees me as somebody who can help him guide him in that process to do it. So pay attention to where you judge where you judge somebody's experience. If you find yourself judging their experience while they're sharing it with you, you're not going to respond in an empathetic way. The third way that we have a barrier up to empathy is that there is some emotion or feeling associated with what the person is going through. And there is a very, very high chance that whatever that emotion is, it is repressed somewhere in you, unless you've done a bunch of work. So maybe they feel sad. Maybe they feel afraid. Maybe they feel confused. Maybe they feel angry. Whatever it is, there's a feeling there that you are picking up from them, especially if it's intense. Let's say they're angry because this is a really hard one for women, especially to work with in my experience. If, if your husband is really angry and you are picking up that feeling, but you are shutting down to him at the same time, that means that you are not comfortable with that emotion. And again, it can be just like the judgment because you also get angry. And in fact, the angry you may be something that you have so rejected that you don't like to see come out at all. Something that you, it's like really in your blind spot. You really want to deny that it exists. When you are pretending that you do not get angry, you can totally be uncomfortable with your husband being angry. And you can also then completely go to judging that feeling and rejecting them as a person because you are rejecting the experience that you're having, they're having within you, and you are not able to hold space for it within them. Even if you never get angry anymore, which I highly doubt, but even if you never do, you can still hold space for them to be angry. And so you've heard me say that anger is the emotion that alerts you to a boundary violation. So that will give you a clue and help you 
get ready to be empathetic to them because you are going to be seeing where they are perceiving or experiencing a boundary violation. So maybe they're upset about their time not being under their control. Maybe they feel taken advantage of. Maybe somebody has insulted them. Maybe somebody has disrespected their things. That will give you a clue. If you know in your body, if you pick up, well, I'm sensing that he is feeling angry. Then you know to change your questions to try to see if that is what's going on. When you are reflecting back and repeating that story back for them, you're going to be looking for, you know, like you seem really angry. Did somebody like take advantage of you? You know, you can go into those questions and you can be wrong. It's okay to be wrong because you're just going to get more information. But the more you are comfortable with that emotion and you have actually felt it in yourself and allowed it to move through you, then you will be comfortable and feel safe when they are in anger. The fourth barrier to empathy is really the biggest one, (laughs) the biggest one for everybody. And that is that you have your own stuff right now to deal with. So you have your own stuff right now, meaning that you are emotionally dysregulated. And so is the other person who really could use some empathy right now. If you are emotionally dysregulated, you cannot hold space and be empathetic in the same way you can when you are regulated. So if I'm dysregulated, let's, let's, that's a big word to say that I'm in an emotion right now. I'm not at a state of love. I'm not in joy or peace or contentment. My nervous system is in fight or flight. Let's say if I'm in that, I'm going to project what I'm feeling onto you. I'm probably going to go way back to the first one and make it about me somehow. I'm not going to be able to hold space for you. It'd be kind of like if you went to the hospital and had some crazy illness and they rolled up another patient next to you and said, this is the doctor. They're going to take care of you now. That's a huge barrier to empathy. That other patient is not in the position to take care of you when they are suffering themselves. So this is why empathy is really hard in a marriage, because usually when things are really bad, you are both dysregulated. And so it becomes very hard to resolve anything. And this is why I work with only the woman first in my happily ever after program. And we spend three months if you do the full program on healing you first, because you need to be able to know how to be regulated in order to have these supportive conversations with him. And then when you have those conversations with him, where you are empathetic, he's learning how to be that for you. So it ends up being a really beautiful thing, but somebody has to heal first. So why not let it be you? So if you have your own stuff right now, it's going to be a barrier to you being empathetic to him. And number five, the last one, last barrier to empathy that we'll talk about today is that you have an objective in the conversation. You actually went into that conversation with probably an unconscious intention to get or do something. You wanted them to change their behavior or you needed them to agree to something or you needed them to do something for you. Whatever it is, you have a logic brain objective right now. I need X to happen. I need Y to happen. And instead 
of getting a robot who could immediately meet that need for you, you realize that the person you're talking to is another human and they are currently in a dysregulated place. They are in an emotional place. When you have an objective and they're in an emotion, you are not going to get anywhere until you drop your objective for the moment and face them in their emotion. This is exactly what Chris talks about in his book all the time, because obviously as a hostage negotiator, his objective is to get the hostages out safely, right? But he can't just go into the conversation and say, I'm going to need these people from you give them to me now or else that's just not going to work. They discovered through years and years of research that until they process the emotional piece the hostage taker will not be able to go to the logic part of their brain and actually resolve something, actually give them back the hostages or come to some kind of agreement or whatever it is. They have got to attend to the emotion first, emotion first, then logic always, every time man or woman doesn't matter child, adult, does not matter. Emotion first all the time because emotions drive our decisions. They are what allow us to use the logic part of our brain to do a thing. We have to get into energetic alignment before we can make the right decision for us. And our bodies know that, but we try to ignore that and pretend that emotions don't matter. And let's just go resolve this logically and let's get out the spreadsheet and let's find the best thing on paper. I'll give you an example of this. If you have ever tried to lose weight <laughs> ever, you know that there will be somebody or some website or some program that will say, just eat 2000 calories and exercise 30 minutes a day. And I'm pretty sure I saw a stat on this one time that said that a program like that has like a hundred percent failure rate. That is why weight loss is such a huge money-making business because the logic piece doesn't freaking matter at all. There is some other emotional piece that is in the way of doing that thing. If a person just needed to eat less and move more to lose weight, and that was it, all of us would be super healthy, but there are things in the way of their time. Their environment doesn't support eating differently. Their environment doesn't support moving more. They are sad, maybe emotional binge eaters. They have childhood trauma that leads them to a certain type of food. Their body is just created differently. And it's really not about exactly what they eat. Maybe it's about when they eat or something. Maybe they need a medication to help them. Maybe they have diabetes, whatever. They have a million reasons why just the logic piece is not getting followed. And that is why weight loss products and such are a predatory business model, because they know that there is no success with that. And that person will either sign up or they'll be back again, or they're going to go to somebody else again. They can show temporary results, not long-term results in almost all cases, unfortunately, we have got to get through the emotion piece. We have got to get through a person's own barriers before we can actually work on the objective of the conversation. You have got to, if they've got a need that they are coming to the table with, 
your conversation is not going to matter until that need is met. Even if it's completely unrelated, let's say it's a coworker and you just need to make a timeline for a project. If they walk in the door and you can sense that they feel maybe kind of sad or they look sort of tired or something, maybe something's going on with a family member or a child or something else in their house. If you sense that, it doesn't matter who you are. You need to give a little space for that first because they need to be regulated for this deal to work. You need that need to be met before they'll even think about meeting your needs. So if you have an objective, it is best for you to drop it for now. And also realize that an empathetic conversation can take just a few minutes. And sometimes you can have help somebody feel seen and understood and move through an emotion in like five minutes or so. So it doesn't mean that you are tabling whatever you need to talk about forever. It just means right now, we're not going to get to that. We're going to put that aside and be human for at least a while. We're going to be human. You can even, if you're, if you don't feel qualified, if you feel dysregulated yourself, you can say, you know, yeah, I think that we need to reschedule this. Is now a good time to talk about this? Because it kind of feels like it might not be a good time for us to discuss this. You know, I'm really not in the best place to talk about this right now. Something happened the other day and I need to talk to my husband about it. But I, every time I saw him, I was like, it's, it's just not the right time. I'm too dysregulated right now to talk to him about this thing. And I'm going to have to talk to him about it another time when I'm feeling more regulated, because otherwise I'm just going to dump on him and he's not going to be in the place to hold me in that. I need to go do that on my own. I need to go process that. Maybe I have somebody qualified who a coach, a friend, a therapist who can help me process this. In my case, I use all of my own tools, my journaling, my different processes. I can go through it and I want to have clarity before I go to him to be absolutely sure I'm not trying to project a fear onto him. I need to make sure I know exactly what my worry is, what my observation is, what my vision is. Be clear that it's truly about something he did and not about me. I have to have that clarity first before I go talk to him because something may come up for him too. He may be, he may find that he becomes dysregulated from the conversation and we're not going to get anywhere if we're both the patients in the bed, right? Like one of us has to be the doctor for that conversation or it's not going to get anywhere. So these are the barriers to empathy. This is why I talk about the first three months, first three modules of happily ever after being all about the self because we're trying to just get you regulated. And a lot of relationship coaching or courses and stuff are go right into this piece because it is related to communication and problem solving. But if you aren't there, if you have these barriers, that part is never going to work for you. It's just never going to work. And often the reason why somebody is going to a relationship, counselor, couples, counselor, therapist, whatever, it's because they are already feeling crappy and they think it's the husband or wife's job to fix it, to 
go fill up my cup, go make me happy again, go make me feel better. Meanwhile, that other person is also in that place. <laughs> they also, their cup is also empty because none of us know how to take care of ourselves. So one of the ways that you can begin to take care of yourself, if you don't feel ready to do my whole six month program, and I also have a 30 day marriage boot camp now that you can do, you can also join my weekly meditation, my VIP meditation program. That is where we meet every Wednesday at 9am Eastern and we go through a meditation, but I also teach during that meditation. And it's a time for you to really take care of you. My clients get it as part of their happily ever after program purchase, and they gain so much from those meditation sessions. So I will put the link in the show notes and I encourage you to think about signing up for that super affordable. So if you're ready to do some of this work, but not totally ready for either the 30 day or six month program, I highly recommend the meditation program. So I'd love to see you there, but let me know this was helpful for you. I love it. When you guys send me emails, send them to Beth at bethrolls.com. You can always visit my website, bethrolls.com or the authentic wife and mom.com. They go to the same place. If you'd like to learn more about happily ever after go to happily ever after coach.com and you can find all the details right there. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. You know, I love you and I love hearing from you and I will talk to you again soon. Have a great day. Bye.